Praise the Lord. So a couple of things I forgot to tell you, I just thought of. Uh, I wrote it down on my palm pile right here and forgot to read it. Um, the plan this week is Ezekiel 36. You may say, why in the world are you going all the way back there? Just read it. I'm building up to Christmas. It'll be good for you. You'll see what God's plan was for you. The other thing I just wanted to challenge all of y'all about this morning, and Katie's not here, uh, but uh, I sent in a recipe this morning. Okay? So, puerco rojo, okay? I got it in there. It's good. I made it to make sure that it was right. Did I make it? Red pork. That's what I call it. Puerco rojo. Red pork. You just have to, re- you just have to buy the book and get it, okay? I'm not telling you what it is. It's a great Mexican dish made in a Dutch oven. And so anyway, I did my part. I'm in the infamacy of the Living Waters recipe book. All right, get your Bibles out. Look at the person beside you and say, I just can't wait to hear what he's going to say. So I've been preaching this message on covenant. I, I, I told the church Wednesday night I was really blessed because I was talking to Sister Annie this week down in um, Alamo. And she asked me, she said, what have you been preaching? I said, well, I've been preaching on covenant. She started laughing. She said, I've been preaching on covenant. And so I'm glad to know that at least following the Holy Ghost of somebody else in the world. And uh, this message is important because I feel like God is trying to take us as a church to a place where you really understand your relationship with your Heavenly Father. You really understand what covenant means. Really understand, because if you don't, you can be stolen from. You hear what I'm saying? If you don't know what's yours, you can be stolen from. If somebody comes and say, I want to take that out of the back of your truck, and you think, well, you know, I think that was mine. You don't really know what's yours. The thief will steal from you. He'll steal your joy. He'll steal your peace. He'll steal your mercy. He'll steal, he'll steal everything that, that you have. He'll steal your finances. He'll steal everything from you if you don't know what's yours. But if you know what's yours, then you can stand up and say, hey, what are you doing? That's mine. Y'all with me? And so covenant, when you understand covenant, then you understand your relationship between you and your father, your heavenly father, what Jesus bought and paid for you, then you understand and it's rooted down on you, it becomes a part of you, and then you can stand up and say, no, 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 this is not the way it's going to go. Body, you have to function in total perfection that God created you to function. I pray this over myself all the time. Now, I'll tell you all, I've still got battles. And I think I'm battling age. And I don't know how to overcome that yet, okay? But I'm going to figure it out because I tell my body, wait a minute, the Bible says in, in Genesis 1, when God made me, he made a good thing. Doesn't it say that he looked over everything that was made and he said it's good? That means he made you, he made a good thing. Everybody say, I'm a good thing. Look at the person beside you and say, you're a good thing. No matter what they say. Are you with me? You're a good thing. When God created you, he made a good thing. And so... You got to tell your body to function like it's supposed to function in Jesus' name. Hello? But if you don't know what your covenant is, you don't know that you have a covenant with God to be in health, then that your health can be stolen from you. If you don't know that you have a covenant with God over your finances and He's your financier, then they can be stolen from you. If you don't know, you don't know that joy is a part of your covenant, well, then joy can be stolen from you. So you have to know your covenant. You have to know who you're in covenant with. So it's very important, okay? So I've been going over that and going over that. We talked about who God is and he's your protector. We talked about that, that, um, that God is, you know, God has the power to perform what he said he could do. He's a God of love. His language is love. We talked about forgiveness last week. And so I want to go into one today that's, that, that, I don't know, it's not different, but I just want you to understand it differently. Okay, so go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Were y'all able to get that video? Okay. Just hold it. And I believe this is, if if my calculations are right, this is number six of this message on covenant. But I want you to understand that God is a God of mercy. 
And you say, oh, yeah, I know that. But I don't think you really know it. Okay, I want to drill it into you today. I want you to walk out of here today, walking out those doors, realizing that God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth and all therein, has shown you mercy. Okay? Now, mercy, mercy is you not getting what you deserve. I mean, that's the simplicity of what mercy is. You didn't get what you deserved. Now, I'm always amazed at people because somewhere or another, and I don't know if it's just because of, of the world or whatever, we, we put ourselves, the, the Bible says in Romans chapter 3 that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, okay? We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Nobody cut the mustard, nobody made it in God's eyes except Jesus as being perfect, okay? So we all fell. But we, as humans, we tend to want to categorize sinning. And we tend to want to say, well, yeah, but I will, I'm not as bad as he is, or good Lord, at least I didn't do that, right? And so then we justify, we're trying to justify that we're not really that bad. But you have to come to the understanding and accept the fact that every man, woman, child on this earth fell short of the mark of perfection. There's only one man that was ever born who reached that mark, and that was Jesus. Okay? Mother Teresa fell short. And we kind of like think we're going to slide by and get into heaven because we weren't as bad as the other one. Right? Come on. You know, I'm preaching good here. It's down in our nature. It's the way we want to operate and everything. We're, you know, you may not be the best at something, but at least you're not as bad as them. Hello? Well, we have to come to a fact and understand that everybody stands guilty in the presence of God without the blood of Jesus. Nobody's going to make it. Mercy is what God showed you because through the blood of Jesus, he said, I love you and I will accept you because I want to show you mercy. Okay? I think you guys, if you got that video, go ahead and play it. I think we're going to do it right now. I got a, a video here, a little, it's a song. Just listen to the words of this song. I love that song because it's just it's a perfect picture of what God did. Here you are, you stand guilty before the judge of the world. There's no way you're going to get out. You finally give up in life and come to the place where you're just going to say, I got no defense. I got no, I, got no, I can't come up with an excuse. And about that time, then mercy walks in. Jesus walks in with his blood. Amen. I remember, you know, and some of y'all have heard this story before, but, you know, I remember when, when I first came, had my come to Jesus moment in life. I'd been in church all my life, always sat there and, 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 and listened to the preacher, heard uh, all the stories, had gone to the front and, and gone through confirmation and given my heart to Jesus. So I thought, but I just was really going through motions. And I remember that day when I came to the end of myself. Life was, to me, was over. I, I was married, two small children, but so out of it in life because I'd lost the ranch, lost everything. There was nothing there for me. Everything was gone. Everything was shot. Walked into a barn thinking about the best thing for me to do is end my life. And at that moment, at that point right then, I did something that I'd never really done before. I prayed a sincere prayer. And that prayer was, I said, Jesus, you know, I'm in trouble. And at that moment, the Spirit of God came to me and, and, and started dealing with my heart. And I began to think, well, if I go, if I shoot myself, I'm going to go to heaven. And then I thought to myself, am I? The question came up. And so I thought, well, wait a minute. How do you know if you're going to go to heaven? That's all I got to figure out here. How do I know if I'm going to go to heaven? And so I began to try to come up with a reason how I would know I was going to go to heaven, have an assurance. And I said, well, it's got to be on a point system. You know? Enough good things, you're going in. Enough bad things, you're not. See, I had that same thinking, what I'm talking about here. Well, at least I wasn't as bad a sinner as the rest of them. And I remember that moment, standing in the barn, holding my pistol. And at that moment, the Spirit of God said, what do you think you've done? And I said, thought and thought, and I said, I've never stole anything. That's got to be a good merit. Got to be one on my side. I never stole anything. 
And just quickly, the Holy Spirit revealed to me. When I was a young boy, they dared me to go into a store and steal a candy bar, and I did it. And so then I came up and said, well, I never stole anything too large, you know. <laughs> I'm trying to justify in the presence of Almighty God my ability to be righteous in his presence. My worthiness to go to heaven, I'm trying to justify it. And then I remember thinking, man, I'm, this is pretty poor. I can't come up with any other thought. And then I said, well, what have I done wrong? And I'll never forget, just like I'm standing before you today as God is my witness. In my mind's eye, I could see like a giant scroll roll out in front of me. It just rolled and it rolled and it rolled and it rolled. And there was this thing against me everywhere. I was guilty. I knew at that moment I was guilty. I knew at that moment I had done nothing on this earth to merit being in the presence of Almighty God. And I knew that if I was in my life that I would not go to heaven. So I was smart enough. Thank you, Jesus. I put down that gun. I said, man, that's the last thing I want to do. I am not going to meet God if I'm not right with God. And I put it down. And then I prayed the first really sincere prayer. I said, Jesus, if you're really real, I want to know you. And at that moment, the Spirit of God hit me in that barn. I believe that's my moment of salvation. It'll be That's the moment that I came to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. That moment, life changed on the inside of me. I knew Jesus was real. I knew God was real. And I promised him, I said, Lord, if you were willing to die for me, well, then I'm willing to live for you. And I walked out of that barn a changed person. I wasn't too changed on the outside. It took some while for everything to change on the outside of me. I wasn't changed in my mind, in my thinking, but down inside of my spirit, I knew I was changed. I knew I was born again. I knew I was the son of God. I knew that if I died, I'd go to heaven because I didn't make myself right by doing works. I made myself right by keeping myself under the blood of Jesus. That is mercy. That is the God of mercy that we serve. Each and every one of you have indictments against you. They were there. They're rolled out like scrolls in front of you. They're, they're indictments against you. All of mankind stands guilty before God, but God shows us mercy. Part of your covenant with Almighty God is today, even though you're saved, even though you're walking with him, his attitude towards you in covenant with him is mercy. He doesn't get irritated with you. He doesn't get tired of you. He doesn't get to that place and say, man, why do you keep messing up? Why do you keep doing the same thing over and over again? Why are you doing this? Why are you? God's attitude towards you is, a, is looking at you saying, man, my arms are wide open. What can I do? What do you want me to do? What will you allow me to do? What will, what, what will you let me be in your life? Hello? That's mercy. Now, folks, listen to me. If you understand mercy... And you understand how you obtained mercy, which is where I'm going right now. Then it'll solidify the devil ever coming into you and condemning you in life. Because what the devil wants to do is he wants to hold court and he wants you in there trying to defend yourself. He wants you standing there trying to defend yourself to God that you're okay because he can work that courtroom. You talk about a slick, slick willy attorney. The devil has a way to turn things around and manipulate words and do this and that and to keep you under condemnation. Because he knows as long as you're under condemnation, you're not going to walk in victory. You're not going to walk in the glory of God. You're not going to walk in the power and presence of Jesus in your life. Hebrews 4.14 is where I was going. It says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in a time of need. It is a throne of grace in which you are given mercy. Okay, I'm going to get into grace in just a minute. I'm going to show you the difference between mercy and grace. But you got to understand, mercy is you're not getting what you deserve. Okay? Now go to Hebrews 9, 11. Hebrews 9, 11. It says, But Jesus came as high priest of the good things to come, with a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. 
not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgression under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the internal inheritance. Now, here we go. Just what the song says. You're declared guilty. But there was a day, folks. Listen to me. There was a day when Jesus paid the price for each and every one of us. He took his blood because this is what had always been done. If you go back and you study the Old Testament, you look at the tabernacle and you look at all that God set for Israel to do. They had a tabernacle up there. They had, a, they had an outer court. They had an inner court. and They had the Holy of Holies. And inside the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant. It was a basically a three by three by six foot box. Stood there with a gold crown around it. And on that was poured the blood of an innocent lamb every year for the atonement of the sins of Israel. Inside that box was the Ten Commandments. Okay? It's really funny. God only gave us Ten Commandments because he knew that we couldn't keep ten. He's like, I'm not going to waste my time writing all these down. I'm just going to give you 10 because you ain't going to even keep 10. <laughs> okay. So inside that box was the 10, the 10 commandments. Under the ark was the 10 commandments. And this lid sat on top of it with like a gold crown around it. And then the angels were up over it. And in, in there, the high priest poured the blood once a year. And that was the atonement. God's the angels there and the presence of God, the blood covered the Ten Commandments, which was what was calling out that we were guilty. Now think of this. If we had no speed limit, all right, there's no speed limit. Could you ever get a ticket for speeding? You couldn't. If there's no speed limit, the cop can't stop you and say you were speeding. There's no speed limit. There's no law stating you have to drive this, this speed, right? Well, if there's no law, God's law, that was accusing you, well, then you're not guilty. So the blood covered the Ten Commandments. So God made an atonement for Israel, but it was only good for one year. And then the next year, the priest had to go in there and do it again. And every year he had to do that. Every year he had to do that. Every year he had to do that in order to keep Israel in a state of being right with God. But everything the Bible says in the Old Testament in the tabernacle was a type and a shadow and a pattern of what was really in the heavenlies. Okay, I don't want to get into all this. It'll take too much time, but I just guarantee it's there. It was a pattern. It was a type. And so in heaven, there was a tabernacle. And in heaven, there was an ark. And in, in, in heaven, there was a mercy seat. And Jesus took his blood, the blood of a perfect lamb, the blood of the high priest, and he went into the, into the heavenly of heavenlies. And he poured his blood out on that mercy seat totally forever, not every year, forever making things so that man could have mercy. Are y'all with me? You following this? It's there today. Hebrews 12, 24 says the blood of Jesus is still speaking out in heaven today. It's calling out that you're made, you have been made right by his blood. Now, this is where man gets it wrong. I want everybody out there that's watching and listening and, and, and all y'all here, this is where people get it wrong. They think that, oh, then everybody's saved. No, everybody has been shown mercy. Do you hear what I'm saying? Everybody has been shown mercy. Hitler was shown mercy. But he has to repent and turn to Jesus in order to apply that blood and then get grace. And the world will say, oh, everything's okay. No, 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 it's not okay. Yes, God has shown the world mercy. He didn't fry us all. You remember Aaron's son, Nadab and Abihu, that got to messing around and they offered strange fire before the Lord? And it says a fire came out and consumed them. It swept them up in a dustpan. 
are the equivalent thereof. Swept them boys up my dustpan. Because they did something unrighteous in the presence of Almighty God. That's what all of us were due. Are y'all with me? But no, 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 we got mercy because of the blood of Jesus. But if we want to obtain grace and walk in grace, that's when we give our lives to Christ and say, Jesus, we love you. We believe that we believe in your blood. We want your blood over our lives. And then the moment that happens, boom, you're born again. That's what happened to me in the barn. I realized I was guilty before God, but God was extending mercy to me. I stepped into that mercy. It says right here, I stepped into that mercy and said, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I want to live for you. His blood washed me. I became born again. That's what happens to each and every one of us. At some point in life, we have to make our point to give our lives to Christ. And in so doing, we're acknowledging that his blood was the perfect sacrifice, the perfect atonement for our sins. Hello? But at this point right now, God stands offering the world mercy. Anybody, anywhere, done no, no matter what, doesn't make any difference what they have done, can give their lives to Christ. And be saved because of God's mercy. I knew a pastor friend years ago. He's gone on to be with the Lord. But uh, he was a drug addict. And he got on some bad drugs. And he began to hallucinate. And, and, he, and he, he, he spent months on these bad drugs and, and hallucinating. And believing that the world was taken over by aliens. And that aliens were in the world. And these people were, were, had, they were possessed with aliens. Until one day he snapped and he grabbed a hammer. And he ran on the street and he started hitting people in the head, killing people. And, you know, once they stopped him, he had killed eight people. And they finally got him under, under control, stopped him. And then he was in prison. And then the drugs wore off. And he became of a right mind. And he realized the horror of what he had done. And that man was living in guilt because he wasn't wanting to kill people, but the drugs had done it, but he had a life sentence on him for killing these people. And one of the ladies, elderly lady, whose husband had been killed by him, went to him, visited him. He didn't want to visit her. He didn't want to see her. And she went to visit him, and she brought her husband's Bible. And she gave him that Bible and said, all I'm asking is that you read it. And he felt so guilty for what he had done, he began to read the Bible. And through reading the Bible, he became to know that Jesus was real. And he gave his life to Jesus, got radically saved, so radically saved that he started a revival in every penitentiary that he went into. He would start a revival in that penitentiary. The governor of the state, I believe he was, I don't know if he was in Georgia or Arkansas, one of the other states, uh, so recognized what was happening in this man's life and what he was doing, pardoned him. And he was pardoned, and, and he spent every day of his life after his pardon in prison, going back and ministering to people. Now, when he first told me the testimony, it's kind of shocking. You know, I kind of like looked around the room and made sure I didn't have a hammer out. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I always kind of felt like asking him, you feel okay today? Everything good, you know? Because what I was wanting to say was what he had done was worse than something else that I could imagine, right? But in the truth of it, God's mercy was extended to him, and he became born again. And yes, there was the hardness of what he had done, but he gave his life to Christ, and he preached every day in the jails until the day he died. What I'm saying to you this morning is, church, is we get it all wrong because we want to say God's mercy is extended to everybody, and so therefore everybody's okay with God. But no, the mercy is extended to everybody so they can give their life to Christ. Without the giving their life to Christ, there's no redemption. There's no being born again. There's no change coming on the inside. You're just living in your head to God. You're just trying to keep a moral value, which that's out the window nowadays. I mean, nobody's got a moral value. But... The, you're just trying to live with some sort of a moral value in your head to think that it's right with God. But we all have to understand, none of us, there is nothing that we can come up with in our morality that can keep us right with God. We're all sinners. It's nothing but mercy 
and grace. Now, it's a beautiful story if you go read Daniel chapter 7. And, and there's a story here. It shows a court case going on in heaven. I call it a court case in heaven. But you go read it. It talks about, I know it's talking about the end times, but you can see the order of the court that takes place. I want to read a little bit of it to you. It'll start in verse 8, Daniel 7, 8. It says, I was considering the horns, because he's talking about he's seen this vision of these horns and these beasts coming. He said, I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them, and whom, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. And there was in this horn, there were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking pompous words. Now I want you to understand something. The devil is always going to want to talk you out of what I'm telling you today. I'm telling you this message I'm preaching to you today, he does not want hurt. He does not want going out over the broadcast. He doesn't want anybody to know. He doesn't want this to get sealed in your heart. He doesn't want you to know this. He wants to take it away from you. He wants to distract you right now. He wants you to get to be thinking about what's going on for supper, what's going to have for dinner, who you're mad at. Some of you ladies probably still need freedom prayer from the Christmas ornament that was stolen from you over at the... <laughs> you're probably still fuming, looking around the room, so I can't believe she stole my ornament. He's going to try to use pompous words all over you to get you to where you don't listen to what he's saying, what God is saying to you today. He's, those pompous words are going to want to be speaking to you, going to be want to ring it in your ears and try to get you off track. It happens to me. Listen to me, folks. I am not telling you that I am so high and lifted up above all the rest of you that I don't hear pompous words. Pompous words I hear sometimes. They come in my head and get me to thinking. Okay? But you look at this scene. Pompous words are being spoken. He said, I watched till thrones were put in place. The throne of grace. And the ancient of days was seated. His garment was white as snow. His hair was, of his head was pure wool. His throne was a fiery flames. Its wheels a burning fire. A, fire, a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand, thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. And the court was seated. Now, are y'all, let's just take this picture. You got the devil yakking pompous words. You got the ancient of days, your heavenly father, coming and taking a seat on a throne, the throne of grace that I just read to you out of Hebrews, right? The devil didn't back up. He didn't run off. Although in the entourage that came with our heavenly father was thousands times ten thousands ministering to him. He got a pretty big posse, right? And here he comes and he sits down on the throne. He is the ancient days. Fire is coming out of him. The power to do whatever is need to be done. That's our daddy. He's sitting on the throne. And he says, I watched till the beasts were slain and the body destroyed, given to the burning flame. For the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season at a time. I was watching in the night vision. Behold, one like the Son of Man, Jesus, coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion, glory, and the kingdom. Now look at this picture. Here comes Jesus now walking in. He comes walking into the high court. And he walks into the high court, and because of what he had done, his blood poured out for you and I, he gets dominion's glory in the kingdom. That all the peoples, the nations, the languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away in his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. Whoo, folks, that's, that's, that's ready for some dancing there because I'm telling you what, Jesus walks into the high court where the father's being worshipped by thousands times ten thousands. The devil's over there speaking pompous words. He don't listen to him. He don't listen to his lip. He just walks right up to the throne, pours out his blood. Kingdoms and dominions were given to him, and we're under him. Whoo! Folks, I tell you what puts you in a pretty good place. Are y'all with me? That puts each and every one of you that know that you're born again in a really good place. Because all of a sudden now, you're under the blood of Jesus, and he's in charge. Ooh, makes me happy. Sometimes when 
the pompous words are coming to me. Sometimes when the devil's harassing me about something, I just simply sit back and say, you know, at least I'm not going to hell. Think on that one for a while, devil. Chew on them words for a while. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that heaven's my home. I know when I step out of my body, I'm going to heaven. Bless God, there ain't nothing you're going to do about it. And I know that I'm under the blood of Jesus. And the way I see it, if you're under the blood of Jesus, I mean, you got, got some pretty good privileges. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I like privileges. Are y'all with me? Oh, my wife gave me some good news. You remember how I've been complaining about facial recognition and how they went on the plane and they were doing facial recognition and I was throwing a fit and I didn't want to do it? President Trump put out there and said no American citizen will be had to go through facial recognition to board an international flight. It's only for international people. So way to go, Mr. President. So the next time I walk up there, I want to show my U.S. passport and say, I ain't doing it. You got eyes. Recognize my face on here. Point being, privilege. Years ago, I was traveling. I think I was going into the Ukraine or Russia at this time, and I, I, I had to go through Frankfurt, Germany. It's the first time I'd ever been through Frankfurt. And uh, so I get into the airport, and I'm walking through the airport, and I start realizing that none of the signs are in English. And so I need to go to the bathroom. And so I'm trying to figure out where the restrooms are. And I'm trying to figure out what the sign would be for the restrooms. And so I'm walking along, walking along. And then finally I start, I said, okay, just sit here and observe people. And so I start seeing people hurriedly running and they go through a door. And then I see another one, another one. And I start saying, okay, guys are going in there, you know, and it looks like girls are going in there. That must be the bathroom. So I go over there, you know, look at it, go in there, walk in there, kind of slowly walk in there and say, yeah, so it's the restroom. All right, now we've got the bathroom figured out. And so... I get through with that, and I go down, and I'm trying to find my way to the, to the, uh, what do you call it, the, the, the you know, where the, where the, where the, no, 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 uh, they're going to check you out where the little metal detector goes through, you know, you're going through security, thank you, and so I, I'm trying to find where you got to go through security to get, to get on my next flight, and I'm walking through there, and there was this guy, and I just happened to notice he had a French passport, and he was kind of arrogant, and he was a lot arrogant, actually. And he had a big old long coat on it. He kind of brushed by me and he kind of pushed me out of the way. And he's getting up there and he's going through security. And so I just backed up and I was just waiting. And this is a good old day where you used to be able to carry a pocket knife, you know. And I had my knife on me. And so I let that guy go through. And there was two big old German security guards there with machine guns. So I was a little intimidated by that. I was like, man, them dudes got guns, you know. I mean, this is back in the 90s. And so, so he went through there. Man, that buzzer went off. And they grabbed him and just threw him against the wall, and kicked both of his feet out and told him to spread it. And they, they started patting him down. And I was like, holy cow, you know, kind of rough around this place. And so I'm thinking, oh, man, had my hat on everything, you know. So I stepped through that thing and <laughs> buzzes. I'm like, oh, my Lord. And I'll never forget, that guy was sitting there, you know, like he looked like he was 6'8". You know, he probably wasn't, just seemed that big, and his gun looked like the barrel was that big, you know. And he's standing there with this, you know, rifle, and he looks at me and he says, Cowboy, you got big pocket knife? <laughs> and so I said, I wouldn't call it big. And he says, you can go on. And I thought to myself later, I went over the whole deal, and I realized that they, we'd shown our passports. So they knew that I was an American. They knew he was French. They didn't like him. <laughs> that blue passport made a big difference, me going through how I was treated through the line. I like favor, is what I'm saying. It helps, right? Well, now, wait a minute. Let's apply the same thing to the spiritual aspect. Now... The one who has gone before the ancient of days, whose thousands, ten times, ten thousands are ministering to him in his entourage, and power is coming out of him, he's slain the beast and all. The Son of God, Jesus, comes into the middle of that scene, and dominions and powers are all given to him under the blood. I like the blood of Jesus more than I like my blue passport. Are you following what I'm saying? 
But in the spiritual dominion, you've got to understand when you're in covenant with God and you have been shown mercy and the blood of Jesus is over your life, this is the position you have to take when dealing with the enemy and anything else that's going on against you in life. You've got to grab hold of this and by faith to, 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 to build your faith and grab hold of it and let your, like he said, don't let change your confession. Keep your confession. Going, Wait a minute, I'm under the blood. I plead the blood. The old Pentecostals used to say that word term all the time. Plead the blood. Plead the blood. I plead the blood. And, and I don't even know if they knew what they were meaning it, right? Because they, they're like, they're throwing it. You know, I plead the blood. I plead the blood. But the truth of the matter is, is I plead the blood of Jesus because I'm, I'm declaring I'm under the blood of Jesus and you can't touch me. The blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus, and the blood of Jesus stops anything the devil wants to do because it's where all the power is in the spiritual realm. Now, you obtained a mercy, which then, let's go to the next one. Go to Romans chapter 5, verse 1. You've obtained mercy because of the blood of Jesus. Then when you accept the blood of Jesus and it comes and, and, and you get born again, then from the throne of grace, you start standing in grace. It says in Hebrews 5.1, having, therefore, having been justified by faith. What was justified by faith? Your faith and your confession in Jesus Christ is the son of God. See, folks, they want to make it so complicated. The world wants to get in there and, and, and the pompous words want to get spoken and get everybody so mixed up and so confused. The truth of the matter is, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God and that his bud paid the price for you? End of story. I don't care if, if a woman's head's covered and a man's head's not and, I, and, 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 and how you baptize with a little bit of water, a lot of water, the wash rag, a throw in, whatever. I don't care about that. I want to know, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God? Do you believe that he came onto this earth and he gave his life for you and his blood's on that mercy seat? And if you want to be under it, you're justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've also accessed by faith into this grace in which we stand. Rejoice in the hope and the glory of God. Now you're in grace. Everybody say grace. grace. Man, under grace, what is grace? Grace is all of God's power given to you. Think about that. Okay. How many of you in here have ever figure skated? Raise your hand. I want to see some hands. Anybody that's ever figure skated? Got on ice and figure skated. Come on, put your hand up. I want to see some hands. No, no, no. I'm talking about figure skating, not in your car, spinning, doing donuts. I'm talking about got a pair of skates on and figure skated. Mugsy. Got some girls back there. You figure skated. My wife said to me something the other day that they were doing figure skating. They had ice rink going to open up in San Antonio. Go figure skating. And I said, why in the world would we want to do that? Why? There's nothing in my mind that says no matter what, either I'm going to twist my ankle or bust my head. One of the two. There ain't no way I'm going to go out there and just get on the ice and be figure skating. So I said, ice cold. It's cold and it's hard. I'm not going to do it. But let's just say I decided to. And all of y'all showed up. Knowing that your pastor has never figure skated. I've never even roller skated. Y'all knowing this, I've never roller skated, never figure skated. Y'all all show up, bought tickets, paid big money, got your popcorn, watching to see pastor busted on the ice. Right? You're there early. Get good seats. And I step out onto that thing, a little shaky, and then all of a sudden, and I just take off. That would be grace. Because God would have shined his light upon me and given me ability to do something that I could not do. Hello? And y'all were all sitting there with your mouths open saying, we knew he was going to bust it. We knew he couldn't do it. There's no way he can be doing it. That is amazing. Look at him go. Woo! Look at him spinning around over there. What is pastor doing? He's up in the air. Oh, my gosh. 
Are y'all with me? Y'all be freaking out. That is, would be grace upon me. I'd be doing more than I had any ability to do. Maybe. Maybe this suit just got supernatural. Y'all can't come out in tights and blue deal. <laughs> Flying through there and looking good in them. Come on now, looking good in them. Smoking. And y'all understand, how's he doing this? We know he can't do this. Hey, how much more when somebody comes up to you and says, man, how are you? How are, you, how are you and your wife still married? How, how are you getting along financially? How, how, are, how have you been living this? And you say, it's grace. Because I'm in Jesus Christ under the blood and I have obtained grace from my heavenly father. His power is now coming into my life that I can behave when I shouldn't behave. I can be nice when I shouldn't be nice. I can be successful when I shouldn't be successful. That's what grace is, folks. God's power coming into you and into your life, allowing you to live this life supernaturally. A person asked me the other day about the supernatural, and I said, listen, I just want to tell you, this is my theory on supernatural, all right? This is how I live my life. I don't seek the supernatural. The supernatural seeks me. I know I'm an idiot. I know I can't ice skate. I know I can't do it. I know that, 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 that the whole, the whole, that life for me, is that difficult trying to learn how to ice skate. But the grace of God, I can. So that's supernatural to me. Everything I do is supernatural. The other day, out of the blue, just in the, I, 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 I just, I woke up and, 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 and went in to get my coffee and I just had someone, something was on my heart. It just came on me. I was really kind of grieved about it. There's something on my heart. And so I prayed about it and prayed about it. And I thought, man, I, you know, I wonder if they're okay. Because I feel pretty grieved about this. And so I prayed, prayed, prayed what I could think of in my head, just prayed. And then later, you know, uh, when it got to be a reasonable hour to call somebody, I text them. I text the person and said, hey, I just want you to know I just woke up this morning and was grieved about y'all and just praying for you and hope everything's okay. Let me know if it's not. So in a little bit, I got something back. Thank you so much. I appreciate your prayers. Then later I get a response that afternoon saying we couldn't talk right then because we're in the middle of a bad situation. Thank you for praying. Your words to us were an encouragement right then, because it was exactly what we needed. We were in this da-da-da-da-da-da. Boom. God took care of it. So my point is, that's all supernatural, folks. I didn't wake up in the morning. I wake up in the morning thinking about getting my coffee. I don't wake up in the morning and there's angels leaping on the porch and woo doo doo you know what I'm saying? No, no, I wake up and I'm just getting out of bed wanting to get my coffee, trying to get my body to be unstiff. I'm trying to stretch. I'm trying to just get there. I'm just trying to get to the pot of water. I'm just, all I can think about is get the water, get the water, get the coffee. That's all I'm thinking about, okay? I, I, and then to, for this to happen, I know it's supernatural. See, that's living in grace. I don't have the ability to just be Superman. In Robert Richards, and get myself in some trouble quick. That's grace, and that's what I've received from my Father. That's what each and every one of you have once you make the step from the mercy shown you to giving your life to Christ, being born again, and then the grace flowing in your life. You're trying to live life. This is good. This is good. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go back and write it down myself. You're trying to live life thinking that you can do it now. Do you remember how many indictments you had against you before you started this? Now you think you're going to walk with Jesus and be nice? You know, the Lord, you're born again and your spirit's born again, but, you know, he, you know, he didn't give you a brain transplant. Not yet. You can renew your mind, but I mean, you're starting out with a defective brain. Are you following me? You're going to make mistakes. You're going to do things that are wrong. You're going to need the grace and the power of God in your life to keep you floating around the ice rink. Right? That's how important grace is in your life. You're not going to do it right. You've got to have grace you got to have his power and his ability flowing in your life. 
helping you through every circumstance and every situation in life, through everything that's going on. Now, just think about it. I'm ending here. So you got mercy, the ancient of days, the almighty with his huge posse of thousands times ten thousands, all standing there, in the, and then the Son of God going in and getting all the dominions in the kingdoms, and you're standing right there underneath that blood. So when the Father looks at you, he sees the blood of Jesus. What a position you're in. So why are you listening to the pompous words? Why are you letting the devil talk you out of it? Why are you limiting your ability? Why are you saying, I can only do this much? Why are you saying that God can't make a miracle? See, I'm looking at just the other way. Other way. I'm looking at the age I am right now between now and the end of my life being more prosperous than I've ever been in my entire life. You say, well, what are you going to do? I'm not too worried about it. I'm believing in El Shaddai, the Ancient of Days, the one that's going to bless me. He's going to show me what he inventions. Who knows what I invention? Next year, 2020, I might come up with the greatest invention that y'all have ever seen. I may be on the, the book of Forbes, 100 richest men in the world by the end of next year. You said, that's crazy. Really? I may be looking for more and more orphans, more and more orphanages, more and more places to start churches. You just don't know. We may start 50 churches next year. You said, well, how are you going to do that? I don't know. It's the grace of God. I just need him to give me direction, tell me what to do. Are you following me? I'm not going to just do something because I want to go do it. I'm just saying, if the grace of God is there and he tells me to do it, there's no reason why we couldn't. There's no reason why all kinds of miracles and signs and wonders can't happen. It's just, are we going to believe God or not? Are we going to walk being children of God under the blood of Jesus in the supernatural, knowing that we have obtained mercy and we are walking in grace? Are we going to be those people or are we going to listen to the pompous words of the slick, willy lawyer over there telling me that he's going to, you know, his words sliding and slipping into my minds and coming around in here and just slipping around there in his little greasy pinstripe suit. God, I hope nobody's got a pinstripe suit on in here. <laughs> Trying to change words, manipulate words. Y'all with me? Why are we listening to him? It's time for us to stand up and say, no, no, we're born again. We're sons of God. We've been washing the blood of Jesus. Ain't nothing. Nothing I can't do. With God, all things are possible. Lord, you give me the direction, and with your power and ability, we can do anything. Hello? Look at the person beside you and say, I've got mercy and grace. How about you? Amen. So put your Bibles up. I still didn't finish. But we're going to stop right there for today because I want to pray for you. Matter of fact, I, I want you just to stand up. And let me have my prayer team come down, please. For those of you that are listening and watching out there today on the broadcast, I just want you to know, man, Jesus loves you. And if you've listened to this whole message, you know that mercy has been extended to you. And that if you want to walk in grace, you need to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. Right wherever you are, if right there, you would just begin to call out and say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe with all of my heart that you died and gave your life for me. And I ask you right now to forgive me of my sins. Wash those transgressions away with the blood. And then cover me in that blood. Right there, when you pray that prayer from your heart, the Spirit of God will come upon you. And you will be born again. And grace will come into your life. If you're in here this morning, listen to me, church. Even if, even if you just feel like today you want to rededicate your life to Christ. We've got our prayer team people up here. And I don't want you to leave the building today questioning, saying, well, you know, have I really, am I really born again or not? I, I think I am. I don't know if I, I did do that once when I was a kid. And then we went, listen to me. Why don't you just get it out of the way? Why don't you get those thoughts and unbeliefs out of your way and out of your head? Get the religious thinking out so that you know down inside of your heart, you know that you know that you know that you know that you're right with God. If you're not sure, well, then I've already explained it this morning. 
mercy has been extended to you. And if you want to walk in grace, give your heart to Jesus. Believe that he is the son of God and his blood poured out on that mercy seat was the offering for you. And so all the indictments against you, they're gone. And the power of God will come upon you. So I I want you to know they're up here, and that's why they're here this morning, to pray with you. And so what I want to do is I want to pray over all of you. And I want you at that moment when we're praying, I want you to see if there's any conviction in your heart. You're not really sure if you're saved. You're not really sure you're walking in grace. Then they're up here. Just walk up here the end of service. Get with one of them. Say, I just want you to pray with me. They'll lead you through a sinner's prayer. Power of God will hit you right here. Grace will be yours. You'll be walking out there, hopping, skipping, and a jumping like a like an old calf out in an oat patch. Kind of just throws his tail up once in a while and goes to kicking up because he's so happy he's got something to eat. Huh? So I want you to just, I'm going to pray over you. So just bow your heads and your hearts to the Lord, Father, right now in Jesus' name. You see each and every one of us here this morning. You see our hearts, you know where we are. Lord, we know that you've extended mercy towards us, and we want to walk in your grace. Lord, today I just declare that if there's anyone in here that they're not sure that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of life, they're not sure they're walking in grace, that, Lord, they'll come up here and get with one of these people and pray and give their life to you. Lord, I just declare right now that those that have been listening to pompous words, those that have been listening to the, to the lie of the enemy, that have been listening to his words, speaking to them, telling them and stealing from them and lying to them and getting them out of grace and into works. Lord, I just declare right now that you just deliver them. Like right now, by the power of God, by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that that lie is broken within their hearing, their ears, their, 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 their seeing, their vision. It's just broken right now, Lord God, and that they are free to walk with you in grace. Free to walk with you, Lord God, as sons of God, bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. I declare it, Lord God. I ask you right now to put it upon them. Break those chains and bless them, Lord. Bless them today, Lord. And Lord, I just declare that this message sinks into their hearts. It drives home like a nail through a big peg and says, I have received mercy and I'm walking in grace. And so, Lord, I praise you for it. Bless them. Lord, give us people this week that we can go to and we can talk to and we can tell this good news and explain it because we learned it today. So, Lord, I thank you for it. Bless them exceedingly abundant beyond they could even thank or ask. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church. We're here up front to pray for you. Or if you need prayer for anything else, we're here for you. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Links in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you. And if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you. And remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.